This is a podcast from Camden Community Radio. For more information and to volunteer, email info at ccradio.org. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Camden's Hidden Treasures. In this episode, we're going to hear about some famous women in Camden, both with the same name. I'm off to Bloomsbury to meet Alan. Hi, I'm Alan, um, and we're standing here in Tavistock Place, which is a road I come along when I'm doing a walk that I originally researched with Rona Levine, a fellow Camden tour guide, about women in Bloomsbury mainly women who'd achieved great things. And on this street, I hail three Marys. Mary Ward, Mary Seacole, and Mary Ann Clark. I'm not going to talk about Mary Seacole, the famous Jamaican nurse today, but I'd like to talk about the other two. And we're standing here outside what's called Mary Ward House, which is a beautiful arts and crafts style building Uh, arts and crafts movement associated with William Morris and others. Uh, Famous, grade one listed, and it's famous for lots of its architectural features, but its wonderful fenestration, that means windows, is one of the key um, features. But Mary Ward was an interesting character. She was associated with something called the settlement movement, Uh, But she was also a married woman and a novelist. She published a lot of novels, not under the name Mary Ward, but under the name Mrs Humphrey Ward, as perhaps some women did in those days. And she was also, from our contemporary perspective, a little bit of a paradox because she was anti-suffragist. She wasn't in favour of women's voting rights, but she was very much... Uh, a dynamic woman who was uh, in favour of education. As Tony Blair once said, education, education and education. Uh, And she was, um, along with a man called Passmore Edwards, you may have heard the expression the Passmore Edwards Settlement. Lots of old libraries in London have that written on the outside. Passmore Edwards set up the settlement movement to to help educate the masses. And this building was once um, a Passmore Edwards settlement building. It was later named after Mary Ward after her death because she was so involved in the movement. But what was it? Well, young professional men, almost exclusively men, uh, barristers, lawyers, doctors, artists, were invited to live in the, in the building, paying very low rents. Um, and in return for this, they were expected to meet people from the local community, invite them in and do sort of cultural things with them, like talk about what's going on, current affairs, um, talk about what's going on in the art world, the medical world, talk about what they're reading, you know, sort of basically to give ordinary people um, the chance to access culture. So the settlement movement was very, very much the brainchild of Passmore Edwards 
and Mary Ward was very involved in it. And she, she was very interesting in she set up next door to Mary Ward House um, the first preschool playgroup. That was totally unheard of then, you know, to, to help working women. And she also set up means of helping poorer people access legal aid, you know, access to the legal system. And there is still a Mary Ward Legal Centre in Holborn to this day. And until very recently, um, in uh, Queen Square in Holborn, also in Camden, there, there was Ma the Mary Ward Centre, which is moving from there very shortly, or maybe already has, uh, which is, if you like, a further education centre, which has classes in almost everything imaginable, from foreign languages to pottery, in a lovely building in Queen Square. So her name lives on. She was also famous for taking part in a debate with the suffragist Millicent Garrett Fawcett um, um, about female suffrage. Uh, and Mary Ward was against it, perhaps rather surprisingly, and she was heavily defeated in that debate by, by the suffragists. But um, this lovely building, still here, it's now privately owned, it's a conference centre, very successful one, probably because it's so lovely, and some very upmarket corporate clients have, people like Sainsbury's and Microsoft have actually held events here. So that's Mary Ward. Perhaps if we take a little stroll down the road, um, we can talk about um, Mary Ann Clark, who was infamous rather than famous. <laughs> okay, great. Before we go on to the to, to hear about the second Mary, um, is there anything here that you think that someone who, without a tour guide or without any uh, knowledge of the house, might? Myth. The first thing I would advise is to take your first look at the building, stand across the road, because you, you can see both the side and the front and, under fenestration. <laughs> but um, beside the building there's a wrought iron gate leading into a kind of car park. Uh, walk into that, assuming the gate's open, <laughs> and look at the back entrance. And you'll, if you look up above the back entrance, there is a, a kind of representation of um, a Times newspaper article uh, about the settlement movement. Not only is it quite cleverly done, quite cl cleverly set above the door, but it also is quite informative about the settlement movement itself. But we've just walked past a blue plaque for Mary Ann Clark. Who was she? Well, she lived in a building on this site in 1803. Fascinating woman. For me, particularly fascinating because she of her association with one of my favourite authors who, who lived in Hampstead, who has Camden connections herself. That is Daphne du Maurier, the author of, of Rebecca and um, Jamaica Inn and many famous novels. Daphne du Maurier was, I, I have to make sure I get the number of greats <laughs> correct. Daphne du Maurier was um, Mary Ann Clark's great, great granddaughter. There may be an extra great, I'm not <laughs> sure. 
But um, Mary Ann Clock came from humble stock. She was born in Clerkenwell. At the age of 16, she married a stonemason, had a child. Uh, but by the time she was 18, she'd grown tired of him. She wanted a better life. So she went on the stage. Now, to go on the stage in those days was a euphemism, really, for being a courtesan. And a courtesan was the euphemism for being, if you like, um, an escort to gentlemen. And she became, after dalliances with several aristocratic men, she became the mistress of uh, King George III's favourite son, Prince Frederick, the Duke of York. And she was his mistress for three years, I think, until he tired of her. And... Um, she, he dropped her, and if you like, she wanted revenge. So, he, the Duke of York, was in a very senior position in the British Army. And the British Army at the time wasn't held in high regard because um, they had lost an important battle with um, Spain. And suddenly it was alleged in Parliament using testimony from Mary Ann Clark herself that the Duke had um, taken bribes, if you like, had received money in order to confer promotions in the senior ranks of the British Army. Apparently this was not true, but um, a great scandal arose in Parliament. Uh, the Speaker of the House at the time was a man called Spencer Percival. He later became Prime Minister and is now one of Britain's favourite quiz questions because he's the only Prime Minister of the UK ever to be assassinated. But anyway, at the time he was the Speaker, he didn't actually... He was very kind of skilful about this. He didn't actually find uh, the Duke of York guilty. But... And um, he, he kind of skillfully summed up the debate by sort of exonerating the Duke of York, but somehow the suspicion lingered. But in the end, Mary Ann received hush money, if you like, a, a generous pension from the British <laughs> Treasury. Um, the scandal actually continued uh, a few years later uh, and took a different twist um, when the MP, Gwilym Wardle, who had brought the action against the prince in the, in, in the commons um, was found to also have conferred privileges in terms of money and furniture uh, on Mary Ann Clark. So uh, I don't want to talk more about the details of the case, but she was infamous for someone who tried to impugn the reputation of the Duke of York uh, purely because he had dumped her and she gained financial advantages from doing this. So, Daphne du Maurier, famous novelist in the 20th century, um, decided that she would write a book about her great-great-grandmother and did lots of research on Mary Ann Clark's life and wrote a book, I think it was published in the 1950s or 1960s actually, called Mary Ann. And it's, it's not 
a regular kind of biography. It's what you might call faction. Mm-hmm. It's almost written as a novel, but it's very well researched and based on actual events in her great-great-grandmother's life. So, um, yeah, two very different Marys. One virtuous, a published novelist, great educationalist, still remembered to this day and honoured, and another one a little bit infamous, a little bit bad, but on our um, famous women of Bloomsbury walk, she brings a different touch because most of the other women are famous for great sort of positive (laughs) achievements and Marianne is interesting for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Do you think they represent any broader themes in Camden? Well, yeah, Mary Ward, obviously there's a legal centre and there's Mary Ward, the Mary Ward um, Centre for Education, but I think education is so important in Camden. And there's, you know, Bloomsbury has most of the colleges of the University of London. Uh, So that's huge. Um, Also, Bloomsbury is a centre where lots of very able women of substance, if you like, women of achievement, um, lived and worked. As far as Mary Ann Clark is concerned, well... Um, well, I guess she is uh, an example of how there are stories on every street in Camden. Mysteries and scandal, historical soap operas. <laughs> historical soap operas is a good way of putting that. And of course, her connection with one of Camden's literary greats. I mean, there's so many great literary figures who lived and worked in the borough of Camden. And, and Daphne du Maurier, whose father lived in Cannon Hall in Hampstead and and that's where she was brought up and she later lived in a lovely little cottage down the road which has a blue plaque on it at the moment so um, literally Camden of course has a big connection with it. And so there's and that's an example of the diversity of Camden walks you can focus on any any angle um, there's literature, walks focusing on literature, walks focusing on uh, women of substance. or Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can take almost any area of Camden, whether it's Hampstead, Fitzrovia, Bloomsbury, and you can do a political walk, a walk about women, you can do a walk about literature, you can do a walk about artists. <laughs> Fitzrovia, you can do a walk about anarchy and immigration and all sorts of things, yeah. you know. A- any area lends itself to a multitude of themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I ask why, of all, so you have such experience of Camden, why this particular street or these two people stood out to you? Um, basically because there are so many interesting stories to tell mm-hmm. about each of them. Mm-hmm. And one could add Mary Seacole. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Seacole cafe down the road which is linked with the um, another famous Camden educational institution, the School of um, uh, Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Mm-hmm. So there is so much on this mm-hmm. street. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you so much. So now you know about two more Marys in Camden. If you listen to episode one of Camden's Hidden Treasures, you will have heard about Mary Wollstonecraft and Mary Shelley. So, so far that's four, and it seems like a bit of a theme of this series. Um, I'm going to keep my eye out for more Marys in Camden to talk about in future episodes. Um, But thank you to Alan for that example of how, if you look a little closer at any street in Camden, you can find 
extraordinary tales and important people. So I hope you enjoyed learning about the Marys of Tavistock Place. Thank you for listening and have fun exploring Camden and finding its many hidden treasures. You are listening to a podcast from Camden Community Radio. www.ccradio.org Thank you.